Hello and welcome to this edition of the Script Podcast. I'm Vibharavi, sub-editor with Script and Pink Sheet, and I have with me today CEO of Biotech Lactocore, Mr. Anton Malishev. Based in US and founded in 2018, the Lactocore group has interests in metabolic health as well as mental and cognitive health. Welcome, Anton. Uh, hello, hello. Thanks for having me today. So, could you tell us how you formed the company and what drove the focus on your chosen areas of healthcare? Um, yep, absolutely. So, uh, initially, our startup started as a part of my scientific work during my PhD time. So. Our scientific group was working with different uh, classes of regulatory peptides. So basically, uh, they represent a small fragments of protein molecules, and they can regulate a lot of different functions in all mammalians. So specifically, my group was uh, working with the child-to-mother interaction. And uh, that's uh, why developed an interest of some exogenous regulation of uh, this motivation and emotional sphere of newborns. And uh, it turns out that regulatory peptides play very big role in this child-to-mother interaction. So uh, as I said, that was an initial idea. And then we actually thought with my co-founders that we might be able to find some novel peptides. And uh, we started uh, Lactocorp and uh, we apply different techniques. For example, we use different way of hydrolysis of the milk. So basically kind of digestion. And then we analyze our uh, hydrolysate, so the products of this process. And uh, we tested it in vitro and in vivo in different models. And we uh, found out that it has very wide spectrum of activity, but mostly it had impact for nervous system and for the metabolic health. So our last step was implementing some IT technologies, uh, which uh, help us to identify uh, single molecules, so single regulatory peptides out of uh, complicated hydrolysate, um, which we believe has a great potential to become a novel uh, drug one day. What is the funding you've raised so far and what are your plans for financing in the future? Okay, so uh, after our initial stages of more um, basic scientific work, we met our co-founder, Mr. Bobkin, who had a background in fintech. And uh, several years ago, he became an investor and co-founder of several projects in biotech. So he also had a great interest in milk and in milk peptides. And we decided to form a Lactocore uh, group 
and we registered it and started to work together. So he provided uh, all the needed funding to cover R&D calls and administrative and all of that. And uh, right now we are looking for seed round extension. So we are actually very welcome new investors and everybody who is interested in um, milk peptides and uh, IT platforms for uh, identifying novel uh, drugs. Right, so what is the amount raised so far? Oh, okay, so uh, it's uh, around $3.5 million. And uh, for the seed round extension, we are looking for uh, approximately 5.5 more. Okay, and uh, this $5.5 million would be raised uh, from which sources? So hopefully uh, it's going to be a venture capital money. So we are actually uh, proactively trying to engage new investors from the biotech, but also from the uh, IT sphere as well. Because as I said, as one of the foundation of our company is a uh, IT platform to support our peptide development. Uh, also, we constantly speaking with the pharma companies because they are constantly looking for new uh, early assets to support their portfolio. But uh, we are also open to private uh, money, to private investors, uh, angel investors. Because we're still at the, I would say, pretty early for from pharma world uh, stage of development. Okay, I'm going to ask you a little difficult question now. Um, <laughs> you might have heard of uh, Theranos, you know, which was a company that was floated in the US, and it kind of gave startups a not so good name. So do you think Theranos' philosophy of fake it till you make it has hurt the interests of startups or it's inconsequential given the kind of money that is uh, floating around these days to fund startups? Um, yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. And that's obviously a very famous case in the field. So I still believe that they might have a great idea, which sounds very promising to all of the industry. So um, unlike them, we are, uh, as I said, we've been working for several years already. So we actually built a very strong scientific foundation and uh, we don't only promise like a new molecules or new approaches to identify those, but we have already discovered at least two very uh, active and uh, efficient uh, molecules. So uh, basically, since we started with this more uh, basic scientific work, we are pretty much confident that we don't provide just an idea, but we are raising for specific uh, molecules which uh, already proved its potential. 
Right. So you did speak about milk proteins, which is based the products that are based on milk peptides. So could you take us through benefits and uh, the production techniques you're using and how are the yields measured and maximized? Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. So as I said, initially we worked with the milk uh, hydrolysates and we identify a single specific peptide using uh, our IT platform. And right now we are working with the single molecules, so they are pretty short and they basically consist of the L-amino acids. Uh, and uh, we believe, and many scientists all over the world believe that such type of the regulatory molecules which we found in milk, they represent a natural and evolutionary strategy for, uh, for example, uh, stress and metabolic adaptation. So they combine uh, inheritant uh, efficacy with the very clear safety profile because they can be easy, uh, easily and fastly de degraded by uh, natural enzymes and they don't have any type of the toxic effects or any other side effects. So uh, once it was a theory, but right now we also proved it. And in parallel with the efficacy and mechanisms testing, we also checked all the necessary safety parameters for the peptide. And uh, since it's uh, single molecules, we don't extract them from milk. We actually are able to synthesize them using all the modern uh, manufacturing technologies like solid phase synthesis or liquid phase synthesis, they are all open for us. So um, actually we've been working for a couple of years already with the uh, GMP manufacturers, uh, which provide uh, peptide um, drugs for for the market for the industry so it's a pretty well uh, understood uh, technologies and they uh, uh, they can be used to produce very clean products and uh, they are very well recognized by fda and other regulators all over the world so uh, that was actually going to be my next question but you're saying that these are single molecules, so which means that unlike the bioactive peptides that are isolated from other foods, which are a mixture of peptides, you don't have to do that uh, in this case. You don't have to separate them. Yep, yep, absolutely. So it's more like a classical pharmacological approach than we know our active molecule and we are uh, know in more or uh, less detail how it works and uh, what targets does it have. So, Do you have firm plans as to which markets you will target? Is this going to be only in the US or in uh, other countries as well? And what are the regulatory hurdles that might uh, that you might see in these countries? 
from the like business perspective, uh, I would say that the U.S. market is our number one priority. Uh, this has very like marketing foundation because we are aiming for mental and metabolic disorders, and uh, unfortunately, amount of people who actually suffer from those conditions uh, is enormous and also unfortunately there are not very good uh, drugs uh, out there because for example if we speak about uh, mental health so it's like depression or anxiety uh, most of the common drugs, they have a very serious side effects. And we believe that uh, with our peptides, we can make a real difference here. So pretty much the same with the metabolic. Uh, a lot of the people actually need and want a new uh, ways to control their blood glucose level or body weight and uh, uh, I think that one day we can make it uh, possible. So from the regulatory perspective, it's a very long journey for every molecule, obviously. So um, we are still at the preclinical stage. It means that we have a almost full preclinical portfolio of how drug works and uh, safety profile, manufacturing, and so on and so on. And uh, uh, our next step is um, clinical trials. And uh, there are always a lot of different considerations of what uh, specific targets, patient population you should go for. And uh, this is a very um, hard question to answer right now. But there are a lot of different peptide-based drugs on the market already, and the number is growing. So there is not like a 100% uh, problem for these type of molecules, at least. So we are very positive about it. And uh, I believe that FDA and uh, EMA, which is a regulator for European Union, they are very well aware of the peptide-based drugs, and I believe with the uh, right support and uh, right protocols for preclinical and clinical trials, we can uh, easily go through it and uh, at the end uh, register it as a novel drug. Yes, so you're right that the therapeutic potential of peptides is already established. And, you know, it also makes your job a little tougher given that, you know, there are so many molecules already on the market. But could would you like to uh, talk a little more about your leading candidate, LCGA-17, which is targeted against anxiety and depression? Also, I believe you have another one, CHM-273, which mm -hmm. is... Uh, targeted towards decreasing weight and uh, normalizing glucose metabolism. These two I did see on your site, but I couldn't get too many details about LCGM10. So if you could just give us a brief profile of 
LCGA 17 and CHM 273 and talk a little more about LCGM 10. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So those are leading can candidates. So the LCGA 17 was our like first uh, program and it was identified uh, in uh, mill hydrolysate with the help of our proprietary IT platform called Raptite. So we basically identify a novel peptide uh, which can regulate an activity of neurons by modulating a very specific subunit of the calcium channel. So in a way, it can um, regulate the balance between excitation and inhibition in the brain. And uh, it can also trigger uh, other neuromediator system like the major one, for example, GABA and glutamate. And uh, our latest discoveries uh, show that it can uh, also uh, like modulate how neurons transfer signal from one to another. And from the like, modern perspective of how many antidepressant and anxiolytic drugs work. Basically, the essential mechanism of action for almost every class of psychiatric medication. So from the um, in vivo efficacy portfolio point of view, we have already done a lot of different uh, rodent uh, models. And we actually discovered that uh, LCG17 has a combination of very two important features. It has a very rapid onset of action, which is 100% uh, needed for more acute psychiatric conditions like panic attacks or uh, like acute anxiety or even post-traumatic stress disorder. But it also doesn't lose its efficacy through chronic administration. And this is an absolute key for uh, depression, obviously. As I said, we also checked its uh, safety profile and we are 100% sure that it doesn't have any typical uh, psychiatry-related side effects, such as sedation, for example, or tolerance or an addictive potential or withdrawal syndrome. So it's a uh, very... Uh, clear, very clear uh, safety profile. So, and uh, one more interesting feature about this peptide and basically almost all of our peptides is that we are using an intranasal route of administration. Uh, this is basically means that uh, you, so uh, uh, most of the peptide drugs patients, they have to use it with the subcutaneous injections, and it can be very uh, frustrating for people with the chronic conditions. And obviously, if there is some anxiety or depression, it, sometimes it's hard to get out of the bed. And obviously, you don't want to make an injection uh, in your stomach every day. So we thought that intranasal route, so it's a very straightforward approach with the nasal spray can be interesting for patients. And it also actually provides a 
better viability for our peptides because we we shouldn't come come up with the whole formulation thing and save our peptides and make them strong enough to pass all the through digestion tract so they are from from the nasal cavity they can uh, more easily come straight to the blood or even to the brain and uh, this is basically a key of the bioavailability very important characteristic of any any drug so lcg 17 is our main asset in our mental um, pipeline also we are working on lcgm 10 which is a negative modulator of uh, very specific glutamate receptor it, to be to be specific it's a metabolic glutamate receptor uh, 5 and uh, we discovered that it has a very interesting type of uh, activity because we can think about it as a very mild stimulator so basically uh, make animals in our experiments more uh, active so it uh, increased their locomotor activity but without again any signs of the sedation and uh, uh, disturbing their normal sleep cycle for example so we believe that from the more clinical point of view it can be useful for different type of dyskinesias and can be a complementary treatment for Parkinson's, for example. And it also has a very big potential in uh, ADHD, uh, which is a basically hyperactivity disorder. And uh, unfortunately, there are only stimulators with the side effects uh, in use nowadays. So uh, that that's pretty much it about LCGM 10. And um, our third asset is, uh, as you said, CHM 273. Uh, we also identified this peptide in, in milk and uh, we, we perform a series of studies uh, to measure how it can control metabolism of uh, an animal. And um, it, uh, sure, it can help with the blood glucose levels and such a, uh, we can call it a peripheric uh, biomarkers. But very importantly, it can all, it, it has also a central component to its uh, activity. But that I mean that it can regulate an appetite. And this is basically the key to obesity uh, and type 2 diabetes because it doesn't only like lower the glucose in your blood but it can uh, also help you to uh, lead a more uh, healthy uh, life in, in general and uh, we have tested it in several months study with the animals on high fat diet so Basically, they were obese after several months of such uh, a diet, and uh, we saw a very strong efficacy for this uh, candidate. And uh, it has a it, it had a very uh, 
strong impact on body weight as well. So this is a very important for uh, type 2 diabetes treatment because almost all uh, pharma companies try to prove that their drugs for type 2 diabetes that can also help you with the overweight and obesity. And uh, we definitely saw this uh, biomarker for CHM273. And we believe that with the such uh, wide spectrum of activity, it has a great potential to become a new drug for type 2 diabetes and obesity. How do you address the short half-life and the quick elimination that peptides normally display or characterize? Uh, yeah, that's a pretty common problem with the peptide, especially with the relative, uh, relatively short peptides. So we uh, believe that our signature is uh, not only the wide spectrum of activity, but also combination is with the total safety. So that's why we actually uh, came up with the specific model in our IT platform. And also we... Uh, built a chemoinformatics and medical chemist team and our main goal is to protect uh, our peptide very slightly so uh, understand what specific bond is targeted by enzymes and protect only this like a weak, weak, weak chain right so we don't uh, modify our peptides to a complete to a complete peptide mimetics so it's still mostly alumina acids but we uh, discovered that for our molecules uh, which seems to be pretty stable because they are like co-evolution with our enzymatic systems and they have a like not that short half-life uh, time in plasma or in brain because obviously we tested it. And uh, for our peptides, very uh, slight modification works very well. For example, we can change only one amino acid from L to its D-stereoisomer and uh, actually become fully stable in plasma. That's what we uh, at least uh, have already done with the LCG17 and CCHAM273. And it doesn't transform the whole molecule, its uh, binding site, its binding uh, ability for its targets. So it only specifically protects the single bond from the enzymatic degradation. And uh, in our pipeline, this is a uh, final step of the initial uh, peptide development. But uh, you're totally right. This is a very important characteristics, and we are always uh, thinking and aware of the PK profile and uh, all the PKPD relationship and uh, such type of things. Right. So the next stage, as you mentioned earlier, would be clinical trials. So could you tell us a little uh, more about where your partners are located and what is the global network of CROs? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So right now we are 
kind of in the middle of the preclinical work, which is uh, basically consists of two major parts. One is the CMC, which is a uh, GMP manufacturing process. And the second one is the GLP toxicity. And uh, right now we are raising more money to complete these studies. And uh, obviously it's very important to think about like the next step. And um, that's why we like from, from the beginning, we work with the CROs and manufacturers who can provide us with the studies and uh, any type of the supplies or raw material or uh, formulated peptides uh, all the way through clinical trials. So for our uh, manufacturing, we mostly work with uh, very well-known companies such as, uh, for example, Polypeptide uh, Group in the United States or Sai Technologies in India. They are our two major providers of the uh, relatively large amounts of uh, peptides. Um, also, we work with the uh, initial British company called Upperton, who uh, is helping us with the, this uh, nasal spray formulation uh, that I was talking about. And um, from the CRO for preclinical trials, basically there are a lot of uh, opportunities all over the world. So obviously there are a lot of the facilities under the pharma realm. A uh, group of companies, they are situated in mostly in China, but also in the United States. I think it's also important to mention that uh, part of our company uh, is in Moscow, Russia, and we have our own laboratory facility and data process processing center. So this is also important for the whole process of our R&D. So we haven't yet started, obviously, uh, clinical trials, but we are looking for different options. And uh, there are a lot of very um, like cost-effective opportunities in Australia. But, for example, for LCG17, we have a lot of um, discussions with the clinical site called CHDR in the, the Netherlands. This is a very specific uh, clinical C, uh, CRO slash uh, CMO for psychiatric active compounds because they... Uh, worked for, I don't know, 20, 30 years in this specific field. And they have a lot of uh, techniques how to establish biomarkers as early as possible. So uh, what I mean is that typically for phase one studies, you also want to check viability and PK profile. And uh, uh, more or less, it's clear which biomarker, uh, not clear, I mean which biomarkers you will be uh, checking during phase two with uh, like a real patient population. But with uh, their uh, te technologies and their uh, approaches to measure dif uh, different uh, physiological biomarkers, already in phase one, when you are working with uh, healthy volunteers, it 
can actually uh, be very um, uh, very convenient for designing your phase two. So um, uh, just to sum up, uh, I think that we have a very strong network of different collaborators all over the world. Uh, all, I'm sorry, all over the world. And uh, uh, basically our approach is to perform the uh, specific type of work in the region which is most uh, suitable for it, you know. So uh, obviously the very important part to all this is uh, GMP and GLP certification. So that's uh, uh, always a priority and we uh, work only with the such type of uh, CROs. Okay, so I'm assuming that you would start the trials with the lead candidate uh, LCGA 17. How soon do you expect it to go into the clinic? So our current uh, development plan uh, suggest that uh, early in 2024 we can initiate phase one clinical trials. So basically uh, we need a, a one and a half to two years to finish all the CMC and GLP toxicology and uh, which is very important receive a IND so uh, for uh, to uh, this is a formal procedure for every new compound who uh, we, we which uh, we would like to put in uh, clinical trials so regulatory process can take several months but uh, altogether i think that this is a very realistic estimation that uh, uh, one and a half to two years I think with the intranasal mode of delivery, LCGA 17 is definitely one that would be worth watching. Thank you for your time, Mr. Malishir, and for all this information that you gave us about the company and about your planned products. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you very much for the conversation. Very interesting uh, questions, and uh, I hope that your audience will also find it interesting. Sure, thank you. So with that, we come to an end to this podcast. And uh, as Anton said, I hope the listeners did find it interesting. Just a note here that if you're not already subscribed to Pharma Intelligence products like Script Intelligence and Pink Sheet, you can begin with a free trial by registering on our sites. Our podcasts are available on all the popular platforms from Spotify to Apple Podcasts. And I do hope you keep tuning in regularly. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.